Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Empower Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk with people from around the industry, gather their insights on what it takes to get in, or um, also, you know, answer their questions, understand where they're coming from, and also to kind of expose you guys to different parts of the industry. Um, my name is Byron. I'm a software engineer. And we also have Steve Miam, who's a professional recruiter. And we have a special guest with us today, Rosalind Conrady. Who is also who's doing a PhD research in VR, and that's in a field that I'm very interested in. So I think this is going to be a really interesting episode. So Rosalind, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your your course of study? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Byron, for having me. Um, so yeah, my name's Rosalind. I'm a PhD student at the moment. This is the end of my first year, so I got that under my belt. Um, so at the moment, my research interests are. Um, I was telling this to Steve like last month, but I'm really interested in esports. I'm also interested in gaming and research. And of course, I'm also interested in, you know, XR, so the metaverse, virtual reality, augmented reality, and the works. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, oh, Steve, were you about to say something? I was just going to say um, one of the things that I absolutely love uh, about talking with Rosalind is just to hear how passionate she is about what she does, right? She mentioned video games, AR, metaverse, so many different things. Um, I just kind of wanted to take a step back really quick and, and ask, out of all of the things in the world, like why these things? Why are they so important to you? Right, yeah. Also, it's Rosalind. Uh, Rosalind, so, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean... So I guess I'll start like, you know, the things you do as a kid really like define what you do as an adult. So I love video games. I grew up playing Final Fantasy and stuff. So gaming always had like a special like place in my heart. And so that's gaming. Um, and then also um, esports, because even though it's pretty new, I've gotten like really interested in like competitive gaming, especially with like Apex Legends. That's a lot of fun. Um, and then XR or the metaverse. Um, so that actually came to me during my time at San Diego State because I went to a hackathon. Like someone just mentioned like, hey, there's this hackathon happening. You want to go? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But then that was where I learned about virtual reality for like the first time. I wore like the HTC Vive and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then from there, I was like, I want to like stay here. I want to like do stuff in this realm. And then ever since then, that's when, like, you know, I reached out, co-founded the VR club with some people. And, you know, that's also where I met, like, Byron and Kane. And now I'm here at Iowa State, hoping to be a researcher in these fields. And you mentioned that um, something called a hackathon. For those listening in that don't know what a hackathon is, could you please explain that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know what a hackathon was until, like, I started doing them. But, yeah, basically, it's, like, a set amount of time where you can work alone, but I highly recommend you work with other people, um, where you work on, like, something um, for typically a weekend. There's usually a theme as well, and it's a time to just, like, explore prototypes, whether you're a programmer, an artist, a sound guy, or I should say sound person. Um <laughs> and present it to judges and hopefully win 
but ultimately as long as you get the experience of like working on something really cool that's awesome cool thank you and like is there any distinction between a hackathon and a game jam uh i feel like the main difference is game jam is more focused on making games whereas like a hackathon it could be games but other times it could be like um hardware prototypes or uh, software prototypes, say like a website or something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And cool. So you grew up, you love video games, you got into these things called hackathons, and then now you're doing some pretty incredible stuff in your PhD kind of research. Can you go in depth into some of the stuff that you're, that you're studying and looking into right now? Sure. And you make me sound so cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, at the moment, uh, my research has, like, kind of shifted a little bit because I was originally, like, co-advised by, like, two professors, but one of them is leaving, so now I'm kind of, like, um, having this opportunity to, like, adapt and, like, branch out into, like, other fields, and at the moment, I'm just kind of just seeing what's out there a little bit more, reading literature, um, reviewing uh, academic conferences, like, at the moment, I'm, like, following up on this esports research conference and it's like the first conference of its kind to focus on esports and stuff should i share the link uh yeah if you could share the link and share what's the name of the conference just in case any of the yeah. listeners out there want to hear more um yeah that'd be great yeah so it's um part of the esports research network conference 2021 they just finished up like on friday and it's really cool just like actually listening to all these like super smart people you know these doctors and professors talk about gaming and esports um in a way that's like like it just feels so validating because you know you hear about these things anecdotally yeah but then to hear like professionals talk about it it's like oh yeah this is a thing so yeah so and oh oh, go ahead (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm really curious um so you've mentioned a lot on esports. Um, how does that intersect with VR, AR, and XR, um, in your opinion? Yeah. So um, there was also an article I shared earlier when I was chatting with Byron. It's from CNET. Um, the title is "As Facebook Plans the Metaverse, It Struggles to Combat Harassment in VR." And when I was reading this article, I was like. You could replace social VR with like video games and it would read the exact same way. Like, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of toxicity and bad behavior in these things. But with that said, um, I feel like the metaverse and like people who are going to be in this space can learn a lot from what happens in video games. And that's why I'm really interested in like video games, esports, and the metaverse because they all like share this. Um, this digital realm, but you're still like interacting with people. So that's why I'm really super excited to like do more in this space. And quick, quick question. So you've mentioned the metaverse and I know for the three of us, that's probably a pretty familiar topic. Um, But I actually had a conversation with a friend last night who wasn't familiar with it. Can you kind of go into what you just, what would you do? How would you describe the metaverse? Yeah, I've actually had a lot of like philosophical, like, conversations about this too but from my understanding the metaverse is like um 
basically another world for you to like exist in like and be yourself or not be yourself it depends on what you want to do mm -hmm. but it's basically just like another reality for you to be in yeah so with that being said i i know you and i talked about this before the call but it's stuff that's kind of already out there right um yeah so for those of you guys out there i know metaverse is facebook or i guess they're meta now they're they're branding mm -hmm. of I would, I would describe it as technology that's used for gaming to create these social interactions. Um, so a lot of you guys are probably already used to it. If you're playing like MMOs, you know, World of Warcraft, stuff like that, you're probably well-versed in kind of what the metaverse aims to be. Exactly. Yeah, like what Byron said, if you've played World of Warcraft, you've definitely been in like an early version of the metaverse. So is it just me, or is this like the Matrix come to life? <laughs> um, someone had to say it. Yep. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page. <laughs> oh man, hide for that so, next movie. And and you mentioned going into this whole digital realm of having maybe a different personality. You can either be who you are, you can be some someone completely different. What are some of the the questions that are being um, answered that you're finding in your research right now? Yeah, so I haven't really like, what's the word, been into, been inside the metaverse in a while. Like when I say the metaverse, what I mean is like don a headset and like go into like VR chat. Um, but from my time in there about like a year ago, I feel like the landscape was a lot different. I think because like Alt Space VR, VR Chat, uh, mm -hmm. what's the other one? Rec Room. They were all like really new at the time. Right. So like when I was in those spaces, like I think, yeah, I think Byron, you were there and I think Kane was there. We were just kind of like hanging out. <laughs> and uh, like at the time, it just felt a lot more welcoming. And I think it's because like it was so new. People were just like, yeah, let's figure this thing out together. But I guess now, I, since it's been like established for a year or two now, you know, it's starting to like, you know, morph into like what modern gaming is where, you know, you're going to have <laughs> the bad actors and like now that, you know, people can like get gesture and stuff the way they want, you'll get like some bad gestures. But I would like to think that a lot of the pros outweigh the cons because you can still meet some really cool people and you can like obviously do things that you couldn't do in real life. Like if I wanted to, I could be like a 12 foot cat girl you know <laughs> right right that's so cool too like uh we were just talking before the call too about black mirror um i believe it's the first episode of season five really delves into kind of the pinnacle of the, the, the potential of the metaverse um i don't know if you've seen that steve but basically it allows you to have like a vr attachment which attaches to the side of your head and you literally play as like it's a street fighter game so you play as your your player character you can feel all the sensations, and you're literally in the game. <laughs> the Matrix. That is ridiculous to think about all of these possibilities that are coming up within the next few years, few decades, and to see like how fast technology has accelerated over the past maybe 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. Because Definitely. if you think not too long ago, we didn't even have like um, smartphones, right? We were mm -hmm. all navigating through 
um, physical maps or printing things on map quests and stuff like that. Oh, and boy. to see how far we've come in the past, like 20 years, imagine what's going to happen in the 20 years that are coming up. So um, pretty exciting. And then I can imagine there's also some pretty scary things that are coming out as well. Um, mm -hmm. For for you, what like what's your outlook for how technology is, is progressing and like, what do you think is coming down the road in the next 20 years? Yeah, definitely there will be, you know, more, like, a wider adoption of, like, the metaverse and, like, metaverse-related immersive technologies. Um, with that said, I do envision there would be more, like, policies and regulation around them because, you know, unlike with video games, now with, like, this immersive tech, it goes beyond, like, entertainment now, like, you know, You've probably seen, like, for example, VR being used for, like, training surgeons. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's a really, um, com not only complicated, but also literally life or death situation. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't have, like, any slip-ups there. So I do envision a world where we're going to have to coexist with, like, these digital spaces. Hmm. That's interesting. That's... And... What's up, Steve? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, I just think that's really interesting. Um, just hearing that, I think it's really interesting hearing like the, the training. I love, I, I would, I'm really interested to see where that goes in terms of using the VR headset. I know we talked about this even last week um, on our previous episode, um, but it seems to me like there's gonna be a lot of possibility for like a lot of interdisciplinary works in terms of like maybe medical student works with like computer science majors to actually get this kind of stuff going, a lot of R&D um, for that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm curious, like this, with the technology accelerating as it is, there's so many different ways of kind of interfacing with uh, the computer world. And we've seen everything from VR headsets to things like the, the Google Glass. Um, and then there's talks about having implants put in your head, like, do you have any insight into which which of those technologies is actually um, which ones are progressing faster, which ones are more likely in the near future? Oh boy, there's like research all over the place with like different senses. Um, I think the one that like struck out to me though was like I think it was with the University of Chicago. Someone made like a smelling like interface thing where like. So, like, as humans, we don't have directional smell. Well, we kind of do, like, say the stove is, like, burning, and then you can kind of, like, like sort of get a general idea of, like, where that smell is coming from. But generally speaking, like, you know, we don't really have that, like, directional smell. Mm -hmm. But the University of Chicago, one of their um, graduate students made that directional smelling thing, so you, like, clip it into your nose and, like, when I saw the demonstration, like, it was so weird. It was like watching, like, a cat, like, stalk a mouse. Like, he just put on and he inhaled. And then, like, he quickly went into the direction where he was supposed to go. And I was like, this is so weird. But, yeah, to answer the question, though, I think all the senses are being looked into in research. And it's going to be an interesting world where we're going to, like, as Byron mentioned with Black Mirror, like, be able to be fully immersed and have that multi-sensory feedback in VR, for example. And are these things you mentioned, like something that you clip onto your nose, or we've seen the glasses that you put on, or the headset that you put on, 
is it is this thing going to be like a full-on like bodysuit that we put on like in what was it ready player one yeah or is it going to be like the matrix where they just plug something into the back of your head and then you feel all the experiences that way like do you have any insight to that I definitely think wearable technology, so like with Ready Player One, for example, it would be the way to go. I think most people are going to be pretty afraid of like implantable stuff, because that's, yeah, that's uh, pretty scary. But, I mean, there's there's that dude, Elon Musk, that's uh, that's talking about his, you know, his the, the chip implant that he puts into your head. So, I don't know, that's, that's another... That's that's going to be another one of those things that we have to, I don't know, keep in mind going forward, right? But, um, okay, so with you being in school right now, you mentioned that you're kind of, you're in your first year and you've fallen in love with esports, right? So how do you, how do you see your career playing out moving forward? I mean, there's so many different opportunities, whether it's research, whether it's working as a professional in gaming, being a, a, a professor, like, how do you see your career evolving at this moment? Yeah, so at this point in time, I definitely want to stay in research, whether that's like in academia as a professor or as like a, a industry uh, research engineer or scientist. But I definitely would like to like stay within the realm of like like gaming and the metaverse specifically, esports too, but mostly with gaming and the metaverse because I think that's where there's a lot of significant overlap between the two mm -hmm. uh, and then for anybody that wants to like follow in your footsteps like what recommendations would you have for them or maybe another way of of, um, of wording this is if you were to give advice to yourself back when you were like go transitioning from high school to college how like what type of advice would you give yeah like well, yeah, it's been a wild journey because I originally came into my undergrad at San Diego State University, the last X, um, <laughs> just going like thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to get that mechanical engineering bachelor's degree, get an internship somewhere in the middle, and then get an entry level job and work for like the next 40, 50 years. But then, you know, things happen. And then I was like, wait, VR is cool. Mm -hmm. And oh, grad school. I could like go there to do more cool research. And I realized I found these opportunities because I was just willing to put myself out there and like take the chance and hop on the things that I didn't really know too much about professionally. Um, and so my advice is to just basically don't be afraid to take those professional risks. Like go ahead and explore that, you know, cool AR headset at that hackathon. Yeah, sure, you may not know anything about C-sharp or programming, but, you know, it's better to just go ahead and start than to never start at all, is what, how I feel. Yeah, can we go into that a little bit deeper? How, like, so, we talked about this before the call, but how did you find out about Iowa State, right? You mentioned in an internship. How much time did you have to prepare for it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so... Procrastination is generally never a good thing. However, in my case, it was actually what changed the trajectory of like my education and professional course here. So I was probably, yeah, so this was like December of like 2018, 2019. And I was like, 
you know, looking at internships instead of studying for an electrical engineering exam. I, I don't worry, I passed the class, but I remember thinking at the time, like, you know, I'm like at this weird point in my life where I thought I was just going to do pure mechanical engineering. But at the same time, you know, I, I have that itch of like, I want to like explore more, but I don't know what's out there. So I kind of just Googled like, you know, virtual reality internships. Um, I couldn't find anything in San Diego at that time. But then like Iowa State University popped up and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, this sounds cool. Emerging interfaces and technologies. When's the deadline? Oh, it's like a week from now. All right, time to hound professors and like beg them to like write me letters or recommendations. Fortunately, they were all cool about it. So, oh, another advice. Never be afraid to ask because the worst that could happen is people will just say no. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, also, I seem to remember, right, when we were students together, you mentioned that you had a mentor that you found through the career services program. Can I did. you Can you talk about that and... Um, what influence did that have on like where you're at now? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, mentors are like, you know, I'm. If I could like say every the names of every single mentor and person who's helped me, we would be here for like years. Because you know, I didn't go through this journey alone. Like you know, Steve was there, and um, the person I think you're talking about, Byron, is a uh, Christina Blanco. Um, that's who I found through the Aztec mentoring program at San Diego State. And, you know, at first, um, it didn't seem like we would be a good match, according to, like, the Aztec mentoring program thing. Because, you know, mechanical engineering, software person, and she was more, like, business development in the games industry. But then as we, like, you know, talked and stuff, it was like, oh, she has a lot of insight onto, like, whatchamacallit, the administration and, like, behind the scenes of, like, you know, what it takes to publish a game, get the IP, you know, good to go. IP is, like, intellectual property, so all that legal stuff, mm -hmm. which is actually really helpful for, like, like, a technical person who knows nothing about that stuff. So, you know, you need mentors from, like, across the board. I think you guys, like, had a podcast about this, too. But, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend <laughs> most time with. <laughs> And you mentioned like having multiple mentors and I absolutely love that. So it, it wasn't just development where you found people that, uh, that could provide some, some mentorship and some wisdom. What are like other areas where you found mentors and you may not even have been looking for them, but they just somehow found their way into your life. And can you go over some of those other types of mentors that you've had? For sure. Yeah. Like, so of course I have like, you know, technical mentors because my work is very like program heavy and computational heavy, but I find that like, you can't just be solely focused on like the tech, you need to like branch out because as Byron mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of this work is becoming much more interdisciplinary. So you need to be able to like, you know, talk to people outside of tech. Um, so one of my mentors was actually more of like a soft sciences, so like psychology. Um, her name's uh, Dr. Elizabeth Birdie, as we call her. Dr. Elizabeth Shirtcliffe, so Birdie for short. And she is the one who actually got me into grad school in the first place, because she was like that person who encouraged me, even though she knew nothing about programming and stuff. She was like, you know, you should just try it, apply, and worst case scenario, you know, you're like, hey, this isn't for me. 
So, with that said, um, Birdie was actually the one who was like, you know, even though I am like a psychology professor, I also understand that, you know, you will need to work with like people of all different backgrounds. So don't be afraid to just, you know, come to like events and talk about what you do and get to know what other people do. So networking mm-hmm. is the key. And like you mentioned networking and you've got several mentors. Can you can you describe how like how did you find these mentors? And then not only that, but like what makes a healthy like mentor mentee relationship? Because it's not just like you find somebody and then you say, Hey, can you mentor me? And then automatically they say yes. Like what's that like for you when it's a, when you say you find someone that you want to work with and then how do you kind of nurture that relationship from a mentee standpoint? Yeah, so mentorship is definitely a two-way road. It's not just, you know, I get all the benefits from like talking to my mentors. Like I definitely feel that like my mentors also learn from me and they also like kind of also get to like vicariously live through me in that like, you know, they see me making some like, um, I don't want to say mistakes, but like learning opportunities that like they probably experienced at some point in time and they're like, oh, you know, here's what I did. And um, with that said, to answer your question, um, to find people, you really just like, as I mentioned earlier, you just kind of have to put yourself out there and like introduce yourself, you know, share your LinkedIn and things like that, you know, so you can keep in touch and ultimately talk about what you're doing and you know people will like kind of gravitate and like if they're curious you know that's great then you have like a mentor potentially and when i say like when you have a mentor it's not like you'll just ask them what ends up happening more is like you talk then you set up another time to talk like hey let's grab coffee or like hey let's like let's like chat for a little bit and then that's how you build like um, I think the word is report, where, you know, you get to know people and you develop that relationship and then, you know, it's always good to like, you know, get to know other people through that way too. So, yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. And I know that just, especially for introverts out there like myself, um, just kind of putting yourself out there can take some courage. It can take some getting out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Um, has that been a challenge for you? And if so, like, how have you been able to overcome those? Oh, yeah. So, as you mentioned, like, I'm also an introvert. So, it is kind of tough sometimes because, you know, your social battery is, like, very limited. Um, but with that said, um, I think it also comes from, like, being comfortable with being yourself, if that makes sense. Because I feel like when I have to meet, people in a professional setting i have to like put on the the professional rosalind mask i have to make sure i'm like serious and not you know like happy and bubbly but then i found like oh wow that's kind of tiring but then also i feel like when i'm more myself like smiling and like you know being dorky people tend to like appreciate that more because it shows you're more human and things so don't be afraid to be yourself but then also um you know People are just as nervous as you are, so, you know, it'll be okay. So I'm curious, um, in terms of, like, VR, AR, stuff like that, um, Mm -hmm. like, 
it seems to me, I've noticed it's difficult to find kind of events that, are, you know, people are interested in that kind of uh, field. Um, do you have like any organizations or anything like that that you could recommend? Like I know there's IGDA or the Game Dev Shrink Up for specifically for game development. Um, but I know it's VR and AR can be a little bit broader than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's also part of the reason why I moved out here to the cornfields because I wanted to like meet more people who were doing like VR, AR, metaverse research. So fortunately, I have like a great network out here at Iowa State University. Um, but I know there's also Discord servers that are like focused on like um, not just games in VR and AR, but just that space in general. Um, like there's the HTC Vive Steam VR um, Discord. VR gamers and devs. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other off the top of my head. But yeah, um, should I like link these as well? Or um, yeah, sure. And then we can yeah. put the puzzles in the description. Cool. Yeah, probably do that after this call. Okay. Um, but yeah, and also at least in my experience, starting like a club or starting a meetup is also the another way to go about it because you know you'll be surprised like how many people in your area are interested in this stuff, but you know, everyone's just kind of, like, isolated and, you know, being that person to, like, wrangle them all up together and, like, say, like, hey, we're meeting at um, Buffalo Wild Wings in mm -hmm. Mission Valley later. Yes, you know? yes. Let's let's talk about VR and, like, all that cool stuff. Let's let's dig a little bit more into that, too, right? Um, mm -hmm. I actually forgot that you co-founded the VR Club, but can you talk about some of the projects that you guys um, developed for it? Because I know that you had a really cool partnership with um, SDSU. Yeah, I was, you know, fortunate to have um, served as, the, like, one of the exec leader members um, for, like, three years of my time at uh, San Diego State. And, um, yeah, one of the cool projects was actually uh, the astronomy project. Mm. And that actually got taken up to, like, scientific conferences. And I think, Byron, were you part of that? I know Kane was part of that. I helped out a little bit on that project, yeah. Yeah, I think you did a little bit of sound stuff for yeah. that. So that one was really cool. That one was actually because some professors at San Diego State approached us saying like, hey, we saw your previous work with the club and we want you know, you guys to make something similar for our astronomy students. So can you do it? And then, you know, some of our club members stepped up to it. And it's really cool to just you know, see these projects come out because it's like I wasn't anticipating um, like when I was founding this club I wasn't really anticipating you know these projects to go up to that next level but they did and it's really satisfying and rewarding to know I helped like create this opportunity for people yeah that's awesome and you guys got to speak at the conference too didn't you or um, I wasn't actually there for that but yeah Kane Carter and I think um, Vanessa and Samantha they spoke, and that was really cool. I hope so I'm not missing anyone. <laughs> can, can you describe what was this project? You mentioned astronomy. You mentioned VR. Like, what was the purpose of this project that you worked on? Oh, so I actually didn't work on the astronomy project uh, personally, but I was just there to, like, facilitate the club space and stuff that, for that project. But, yeah, the astronomy project um, was basically to help, I think it was, like, the astronomy 101 class, it was an undergrad class. Um, they had this like 
um, lab session where traditionally they would use pen and paper and um, some like cool light tricks to like um, kind of simulate like you know light passing and things because you know astronomy has to do with like light like you know speed of light and things. Um, but with that said, um, you know pen and paper. Sure, it'll get the job done, but it's not as like memorable and immersive as you would in VR. So then they um, took what um, the lessons, the lesson plans from the lab course, and put it in VR. So then, instead of just seeing pen and paper, you're actually in the universe. You have stars around you, you got planets right in front of you, and then you also have to like physically move because there's this thing called like the parallax effect. You probably heard it in gaming, but um. Uh, so, Parallax is like, um, let's see, actually Byron or Steve, can you explain Parallax? I feel like uh, I've been talking a lot. Byron, I'll go to you for this one. Um, actually, explain I the parallax. don't quite remember what the Parallax effect is, so I'll leave it to Rosalind to explain that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so, I guess in a nutshell, let's see, I'll use an example, actually. So... I'm sure most of our listeners have played like a side-scroller game at some point, you know, like a platformer like Super Mario. And then you notice as like, as you're jumping through the levels, the background moves to the side. And like sometimes you'll have mountains in the back and clouds. And um, typically the, the close mountains will move faster than the clouds as you're like moving across the screen. So that's like the parallax effect in a nutshell where... As you're moving, other things are moving with you too, but um, some objects and things will move slower to like simulate distance. So like slower objects means like, oh, they're much farther away. Mm -hmm. uh, faster objects mean, oh, they're closer. So yeah, we're teaching or the creators of the astronomy project. Um, we're trying to ultimately teach the parallax effect with stars and planets and a bunch of other like relative um, relativity related things which is really cool that is freaking awesome and then you mentioned that this project was elevated to different conferences and showcased it showcased like at astronomy conferences um how, how did that happen like do, did they promote it themselves was it the professors that promoted it what happened there yeah i think the professors just, they really liked the project a lot, and there was a lot of success, like the students, like the, stu the students who had to um, take this class and wear the headsets, they seemed to have enjoyed it and learned a lot from it, so I think it just made sense to like take it to that level of like showing it and potentially like having other universities have similar VR experiences as well. Dude, that is so cool. And the, to know that you had a hand in that and then you were running the the running the club and it was one of the teams that was a part of the club that kind of branched off and did that on their own. Yeah. Um, as somebody who's supporting that team, like how did you help facilitate that? And what was you, what was your role in, in getting that together? Yeah, so I mostly helped at that time. I mostly helped at like, you know, making sure that people got the resources they needed. Like, I know, like, when you're developing stuff in VR, like, sometimes you need, like, you know, audio or you need, like, assets. So, you know, making sure people have that. 
and also like a space to work because you know not everyone has like an oculus quest at home i mean i know some of us do because you know we're those people but <laughs> you know people who are like new to vr typically don't have this equipment let alone like a good computer to run it so you know having that space available for them is also very important and ultimately also making sure that people felt you know comfortable to like make mistakes because you know especially in like this new technology it's kind of hard to you know afford like you know like oh shoot i ran into a wall in vr like literally as in, like you're playing vr and then like <laughs> that happens you know and being like no it's okay it happens and you know showing them like hey next time when you notice these lines showing up it means you're too close to the wall so be careful <laughs> and one of the things that you mentioned is that um just being able to get equipment uh helping people facilitate uh, just those things um with vr headsets not being as accessible as other forms of technology for anyone out there that wants to get immersed into ar vr but they don't have the hardware or the equipment like, where are some places that they could go to to actually get some experience? Do you have any suggestions regarding that? Yeah. Um, shoot, I can't remember the name of the website, but I'll probably find it after this podcast. But there was this, um, like, I think they were, like, open, something open VR, open XR or something. But, yeah, they're, like, an initiative who was, like, where their purpose was, like, to, like, democratize VR. And they were willing to, like, you know, give out headsets for people who want to use, you know, VR for educational purposes. Um, and then um, you might also have to look into, like, your local libraries and stuff. I know, like, at my institution, you can, like, check out equipment for free. Um, and I think in San Diego, um, assuming, like, people are in San Diego who are listening, um, some of the local libraries do, like, I think... Um, the one in downtown also has VR equipment, if I remember correctly. So you can also check that out. Really? That's really that's cool. <laughs> sure, because I remember, like at the time, they were like just starting their VR labs. So people, well, this was like right before the pandemic, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the progress is with that at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious in terms of VR and AR, right? Um, I've worked in this for a while now. Um, wh what shape do you think it will take in the future? Like, I know there's augmented reality where you don't necessarily need to wear a device. You don't need a lot of equipment. But there's also mm -hmm. virtual reality, which is kind of the angle that Facebook is taking. Um, do you think it'll be a mix in the future? Which do you think one will be more prominent? How do you think it'll shape up, shape out in the future? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to ultimately depend on the application. Like, I know... Um, for training purposes, I noticed a lot of that's done in VR, and um, especially like in manufacturing, because that's um, a field, a space that my current advisor, Dr. Elliot Weiner, does a lot with. Mm -hmm. And um, I noticed AR is primarily used for more um, education. So mm -hmm. when I know like people say education and training are kind of the same, but like um, from what I see here at Iowa State, university and research um virtual or sorry training is definitely more for like yeah you're gonna like for example be on the assembly line and this is exactly what you're going to do um and once you're done with this training 
you know, ideally you'll be put into like the real world and you're more or less going to do the same thing. Whereas like with education, um, for example, um, what was it? There was a project out here that was focused on like, um, viewing body parts and human anatomy mm-hmm. in like different slices and angles where, you know, sure you could get a cadaver and like slice them up and stuff, but you know, say you want to put them back together, well, it's kind of hard to put them back together after you cut them up, so, um, that's what I mean by, like, the difference between education and training, where one's a lot more, a little bit more exploratory, where the other one's more like, you know, supposedly what you're gonna do afterwards, um, but yeah, um, going back to the question, sorry, that was, like, a long tangent, I definitely think all the immersive technologies will be present, AR, VR, MR, MR being mixed reality, but I think it's ultimately going to depend on the application. Mm-hmm. And then another one of the things that uh, that we were talking about is like with all of these different types of AR, VR, like what are some of the upcoming, I guess, professions that are going to open up because of all of these new technologies? Because I know a lot of people that are listening in on this are like, okay, cool, I'm interested, but what can I do? Like, what's a professional pathway that I can take? Um, do you have any insight into that? Like, what jobs are becoming opened up with all of these new technologies kind of existing now? Yeah, it's definitely going to open up and continue opening up because, you know, like, obviously, we'll always need the programmers, we'll need the artists, we'll need the sound people and we'll need um you know the business people to make sure like you know we have these products but I'm, I'm also realizing we're gonna need a lot of like like digital content creators because you know just like how we have like artisans and stuff in real life we're gonna need people to transition into the digital space and do that stuff mm-hmm. and i was just reading an article earlier about like why fashion industries are so interested in the metaverse which i was like you know that's actually pretty true like why is balenciaga in fortnite it's because like yeah we have balenciaga like jackets and stuff in real life but it's like hey let's make video game skins out of it so you have Mm. that sense of luxury Mm -hmm. in the metaverse Mm -hmm. too so yeah it's definitely going to be a wild ride (laughs) have you seen any examples of that now that that are already on the market uh like whatchamacallit, like, big brand names doing, like, content creation in the metaverse? Yeah, I mean, I know VR stuff, like, but the metaverse isn't new, so I'm just curious. Right. Yeah, is have have you seen anything like that? Like, I didn't, I had never considered, you know, fashion agencies actually considering VR to be such a viable um, platform. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the things I've seen with, like, VR and, like, say, like, fashion, like, with the big brands, um... There was this Unreal Engine video about it, and um, I think ultimately, sorry, I'm like trying to find the words. I think ultimately we're trying to like replicate a lot of like, you know, uh, luxuries and um, things that we do in real life into the metaverse, which I think is really cool. But I also think it's also a little boring because it's like, you know, 
that's what the real world is for. <laughs> you should like do like a lot of like, I guess, crazier and like cooler things in the metaverse and VR. But mm-hmm. that's just how I feel. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then also kind of bouncing off of Steve's question in terms of like, what kind of potential career opportunity do you see? Um, in my experience working in AR now, um, I think something that we'll need a lot of help with is UI and UX. Uh, <laughs> so has that been your experience lately? Because it seems like more so than the engineering team, we need to really keep an eye on what does the consumer want? What are they going to be willing to invest in? Stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. I think because I'm like so immersed in like my research out here, like I'm so used to just trying different UIs because, you know, there is no definite like standard user interface for VR and like all these immersive technologies. So um, I think that's gonna definitely be another like opportunity for people to work on. And when I say user interface, it's not just like digitally, it's also like the hardware itself too. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, cool. And in terms of hardware, uh, like wearables and stuff like that, I know we talked a little bit about like feedback Steve mentioned Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some research on this, but I'm sure that you have much more time to dedicate to it since you're a full-time student. But in terms of like haptic feedback and those extra peripherals that go with your devices, have you seen anything like that on the market or anything that's being developed? Ooh, yeah. Like, um, so you've probably seen like those haptic vests and stuff. That's a really big one as well. Um, but they're actually getting a lot more sophisticated. Like. Um, uh, let's see. I think B haptics. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but it's like spelled B H A P T I C S. Mm-hmm. They're like a startup based in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Like they have like a pretty cool like haptic feedback vest and like other haptic um, gloves and stuff um, readily available to buy. And they're like on the more I don't want to say cheap, but because when I say cheap, it's like eh, it's only like a thousand three thousand dollars but that's like fairly that's like fairly cheap considering like these this equipment's it tends to run like hundreds of thousands of dollars if you want really good ones Mm -hmm. um so that's one company i can think of um and in terms of like um locomotion so like walking there's this um treadmill called like infinideck i think Mm -hmm. it's basically like a like multi-directional treadmill so in theory you could like run and walk in place in VR, but feel like you're running and stuff. Um, yeah, those are like the two main ones I could think of that are like on the market and readily available. Cool. Yeah, that stuff is super fascinating to me. And um, mm-hmm. again, to follow up on that again, like this this top, this industry is super interesting to me. Just yesterday, I watched a video on by Disney Imagineering on like how they developed the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and to me, it seems like VR and AR is going to play a huge role in that in the future, right? In terms of like the holograms and stuff like that. Um, do you think that's uh, that's something that like VR and AR is going to have a huge, uh, huge like uh, effect on? Yes, yeah, and I think this is all just the beginning. I mean, VR has technically been around since the '60s, as I've come to learn, mm-hmm. um, but. I think now that we actually have like more refined technology, it's just gonna keep getting better and cooler and 
I hope to see the Death Star like explode in my face in real life, or not real life, <laughs> but like you know, like right here or something. Feel the feel the heat of the explosion, right? Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that's come out recently is a Unreal Five demo using uh, with the Matrix, and yes. I, I just played that recently, and that was absolutely mind blowing. And there's some some questions that they have in there, just kind of like philosophical questions like who are we going to be like what's our identity going to be if we're completely digital right mm -hmm. if we can live in several different worlds and we can change our appearance as quickly as we change clothes like what is our identity going to be um and that that's gonna open up so many different questions just moving forward in like what is humanity like have you ever had those <laughs> crazy existential questions that are in your head you know, with how technology is moving forward, like what what's that thought process been like for you? Yeah, like especially with the research I like been seeing, there's also this thing called like a digital twin. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Mm -mm. Okay, so like right now, in um, like a lot of um, in, like manufacturing, um, sorry, I'm like blanking out. There's like a, a technical term for this. I think the word, the technical term was like industry 4.0 or something, but anyways, so a digital twin is basically like a copy of you, but digital. So in theory, this digital twin of yours would be um, like answering emails on your behalf as the real version of you is like out doing other things. So that's mm -hmm. also like a field that um, is rapidly growing as we speak. So going back to the question, like... It's going to be really, like, tough to say, like, who you are, because, like, if you're going to have, like, say, this digital twin, it's like, okay, is that person also me? Or is that person just, like, a copy of me, but the real me is the Rosalind sitting at the computer, not the Rosalind in the computer? Interesting. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough question to, like, answer as we get, like, more, I guess, like, as, well, I should say as our digital selves begin to blur with our real selves. That is, that's so cool. You know, that kind of reminded me of, again, the metaverse is a pretty old concept, right? Um, that old Spy Kids movie where he goes into <laughs> the digital world, right? In real <laughs> life, in real life, the main character is a spy. Super cool, mm -hmm. super badass. But in the game, he's kind of a dork. He doesn't understand the game too well. He has to understand, learn the mechanics. And all the other people that are working with him seem quote unquote cooler. But by the end of the game in real life, they're like, oh yeah, in real life, I'm just a high school nerd. What about you? Oh, well in real life, I'm a secret agent. So it's like that whole dichotomy of your online personality versus your real life personality is gonna be really interesting to see in the future. Yeah. And I think to like add on to that. So like in a sense, we kind of have like a digital twin, like, you know, um, whoever however you like portray yourself in like social media that's like technically you as well mm -hmm. but i think the main difference we'll see in the future is like well that digital you will be a little bit more sentient like it can like interact with people digitally on your behalf as like you know you in real life are like doing chores at home or something mm -hmm. that's so interesting so do you think uh, I don't know how I can best put this, but like, you know, high, in social media, Instagram, you have highly curated profiles that show the best side of you. Do you think that there's going to be room 
to show more than that in this digital space if it ter- if it comes out that we live more in the digital space than the real one? Hmm. Like, do you question. think, how curated do you think it'll be? Like, Ready Player One kind of showed that, like, you can still have flaws and exist in the digital space. I'm just kind of curious, like, how deep do you think this is really going to go? <laughs> I think it's going to go pretty deep for sure. Like, so until we get, like, some more, like, rules and regulations, I think it's still the wild, wild west at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be like that where um, we're going to realize, like, oh, hey, you know, like, maybe you shouldn't be doing this, this, and this in Metaverse. And um, hopefully we won't get anything, like, too tragic. But I do envision that we will definitely have to, um, I guess, be, still be careful on what we put online. Mm-hmm. Like, ultimately, you know, I know I sound like, you know, an old boomer being like, oh, darn, kids these days putting everything <laughs> online. But there's, there's still a lot of truth to that. So always be mindful of what you share, even in real life. And one of the one of the things like that that's popped into my head is not just this, but also what are the possibility of taking our brain and then downloading that into like another avatar. So kind of like cloning in a way. Um, and then you kind of mentioned this as well as like having multiple versions of you and then what's that going to do to extend people's lives now, mm. right? So if, you're, if your consciousness is input into a different digital realm and your physical body no longer exists, but can you still, um, can you still exist like your personality and like what does that mean for humanity moving forward if people can now have really infinite lives and then not just that but have multiple and my mind is just kind of like blowing up right now <laughs> just having these thoughts um so so like are there any in what do you want to see moving forward like what do you what are you personally excited to see i um, i'm actually going to backtrack a little bit going back to like the the point you made about like down like downloading your thoughts into like a, say like another body or something or like to a computer. Uh, I believe someone is like in the process of doing that. I think they were like the um, like one of the co-founders of like Sirius FM XM or something like that. Um, I have to find the name, but yeah, basically that's what they're trying to do, like to get all of their like consciousness and like thoughts and memories into like a digital body, and hopefully. I, I hope they succeed just because I want to see what would happen. Oof. Like, would it take a life of its own at that point? Or would it just be like a stagnant human being? Human being, quote unquote. But so yeah, that's another question for another time. <laughs> so that would mean Walt Disney could come back to life, right? Isn't there that rumor? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy stuff. But um, going back to the original question, like what I'm excited to see. Um... I'm just really excited to, like, see, um, okay, well, first one's, like, more of, like, a personal thing, so I'll, I'll go into that one. The first one I, the first thing I'm excited to see is just, like, you know, creating my own, like, virtual garden. Mm-hmm. I know this is really weird, but I, I really like flowers and stuff, and I like plants, but 
given that like I live in, in like a small apartment and in a place where the temperature like changes a lot it's kind of hard to like grow a garden so there's that <laughs> um and I would love to like be able to smell like my roses in VR like that's something I would look forward to so yeah that's like oh the weird one but I think ultimately what I'm most excited for is the fact that like you know we're gonna have multiple versions of ourselves and it's gonna be very interesting how we're going to tackle our different identities in different realms mm -hmm. um, as time goes on. Man, that sounds so complicated. Wow. <laughs> yeah. this, this, this is this is sounding like the the multiverse, you know, as <laughs> as we speak. Um, wow, cool! Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm my mind is just exploding right now with all of different ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same so, here. <laughs> How about you, Byron? What uh, what are you looking forward to with regards to just the metaverse and moving forward in digital selves? Uh, man, you know, it's, it's kind of scary, but um, I think a big part of it we've talked about before is fitness, exercise. And generally speaking, people don't like to work out, don't like to exercise. So this will be an instance where maybe it'll be more fun to actually get in shape, have a better lifestyle, um, and I kind of wanted to comment on something you said, which I thought was kind of interesting. I brought it up to my friends last night in terms of like down, like brain dumping into a new body. Um, like my friends were just like, yeah, well, that stuff's never been thought of before. Right. And right on the spot, I blew my mind in theirs at the same time, because I remember the old Avatar movie. Remember the one with the blue creatures? Well, the oh, very ending of that movie, what did the dude who, what did he do? <laughs> do you remember that? He downloaded himself into one of those creatures and decided to live on as the creature. Right. The whole time, right? He was, um, they, the whole experiment was downloading their minds into the other creatures for a limited time, their avatars, and then doing that. Like, what is that if not augmented reality? Yeah. <laughs> I just think that'd be super cool. <laughs> same like that, that's uh I, you know what i'm thinking about what types of creatures would i download my brain into <laughs> i'm thinking i would love to be able to fly i'd love to where i need to find a bird where i can in, input my consciousness into a bird and then i can fly around yeah and then at the I end of the day go back into your human form or whatever i don't know so but maybe this like... stuff really does exist <laughs> yeah just like the older version of it. We haven't quite gotten there yet. Oh my God, but don't say like, that. I think, hmm. But then like, bird version of Steve, I'm trying to think. Like, as you're flying around, would you like, retain those memories and like, become like, oh man, I don't know. Never mind. This is like, well, a lot of things to think about. Yeah, it gets pretty deep. <laughs> so, cool. Thank you so much for um, taking some time out of your day to have this chat with us. I noticed that, uh, wow, already passed an hour, and it's crazy how fast time goes when you're, you know, having fun and chatting about the metaverse. So, um, Brian, you want to take us home? Yeah, Byron, sure. You want to take us home? Sorry. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Rosen, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. Um, 
this is a really interesting conversation for me. Um, I think like you, VR and AR, probably thanks to the club, is what really sparked my interest and curiosity and passion towards the industry. Um, so uh, again, I appreciate you coming on and exposing our audience to different outlets. You know, sometimes it's not easy to get in the gaming industry the more traditional route. So maybe this is something that you'd want to look into in the future, because I know with Facebook, they're also looking for game designers, programmers, artists, stuff like that, because the metaverse is going to take off. It's going to be huge in the next five to 10 years. Um, so with that being said, um, where can people find you? Um, I, do you have any projects that you've posted or any resource that people can keep up with, with uh, in regards to your PhD? Um, and do you post your stuff on social media or anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. This is really awesome. And um, uh, so, yeah, people can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so my name's Rosalind Conradi, and I should be like one of the first results because my name is pretty unique. Mm -hmm. um, and I do have a website, it's rosalindconradi.com. Uh, I do need to update that because I have been working on some more projects. So you'll probably see some more updates uh, as the year comes to a close. Um, but yeah. Feel free to connect, and I would love to chat more. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. Again, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the podcast. And, uh, yeah, that concludes this episode of the Empower Podcast. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, I want to remind you guys, we are on all the social media platforms, TikTok. Um, you can find us on YouTube. Our episodes are uploaded a week a week to two weeks after um, on there. You can also find us on Twitch um and instagram so yeah we're on all the platforms make sure to follow us if you want to keep up with uh, what we're doing and uh yeah we'll see you guys in the next episode